I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes indoor training fun. This is stage 15 from Rodez to Carcassonne, 40 degrees Celsius all day, just filthy heat. As we've said many times, uh, extreme weather protocol doesn't apply in heat, although they did make some changes today under that protocol. They let riders discard their bid-ons wherever they wanted and take bid-ons up to 10Ks into the stage. And actually saw today that there's a reason they changed that rule because bid-ons flying through the peloton, I think Owen Duel was a victim of that. Um, so we actually saw that creating issues uh, today. But yeah just a nasty transition stage could be a break could be a sprint up and down all day heavy roads 202 k's like just maybe a dozen two kilometer four to five percent climbs as well as then two five k five and a half k four percent climbs the last of which was with about 50 k's to go uh started with 50 k's to go intermediate sprint was halfway up it then it's a stepped up and down descent kind of like Nebo descent uh, and then a flat finishing carcassonne before the rest day tomorrow. It's just a, just a horrible old stage. And <laughs> we called, I went break in my predictions yesterday. I think I went with like crone type guys and we saw from the gun Benji, the similar teams we expected going for the break. Uh, but while for not striking out uh, really, really early, like he did on the Galibier Grenoble stage, um, Again, were you surprised to see that after yesterday? Well, firstly, he basically jumps onto a wheel of two riders, a three-man breakaway gets away, and that's a group that he's in right now. Now, is that a surprise? I don't think it's a real surprise surrounding how they've been riding recently. I do expect to, I don't know, I expect them to control the breakaway after yesterday instead of going in it necessarily. but. When the situation was unfolding, I wasn't necessarily horribly against it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, if wow, we saw yesterday, break of this is what happened. The, the Pagatra interviews came out after recording. What happened yesterday, so we can correct a record, was the break of 18 or 20 had gone. It had 20 seconds. We all thought it was lunchtime, siesta time. And then we see Pagatra <laughs> and wow in that group and chaos. Pagacha says what happened was that Wout jumped to that group. He created a gap to his back wheel and then Pagacha jumped on it. And then suddenly Wout is bridging Pagacha across to a group with who knows in it, who knows their motivations to work or whatever happens. So today we see the complete opposite of that. Wout jumps early. He's unlucky because what he's hoping for is what happened on Galibier Telegraph stage. He gets ahead of the race. He's strong enough to hold a gap with Pollitt like he did with the MVDP in that flat road before La Cette de Montvernier in stage 11. And he's hoping there is a counter move with Trek, with Lotto, yeah. that, with Bahrain and Moharich. That bridges across to him and then suddenly you have a 10-man move. The problem was Trek weren't able to do it. Trek also seemed motivated for a sprint 
And the big thing, which I didn't know pre-stage, was what would Bike Exchange do? They paced on stage 13 for no avail. They put Bling and everyone in the break yesterday. Great success. Which which one would they do? Would they try and pace all day for Gronenwegen? It turns out they did. And so that <laughs> put Van Aert in a really, really difficult position. No one's bridged across in a group of three. And he pulls out of the break like Ganna did the other day, like Wout Van Aert didn't do on stage six. And so we have a very controllable break of Pollitt and Honoré, who's in first time I've seen him in the tour. And yeah, Albertson, Bexon, Trek control all day. Yes, certainly. And then you can ask the question, oh, would it have been better if Wout perhaps responded to attacks more than make that initial three-man group? But I think there's an argument for multiple things here because Yumbo obviously has the priority of the yellow jersey, so they want a break to form as soon as possible so that, one, they don't need to watch out just in case whether a Pogacar move happens in that breakaway formation like yesterday. And next to that, the earlier that the initial breakaway goes, the more they can rest in the peloton. So I think it actually turned out to be a positive that the three-man group was getting forward there and was basically creating a situation where there were three riders and then the peloton chasing that without too many attacks after a bit. So that three-man breakaway got ahead and yeah, then the decision has to be made at Yumbo, eh? Is this a good situation or not? It's a tough one because it's hillier than the... Well, no, it's not hillier than Long Wee, maybe, but it's like... Actually, I think it was hillier all day than Long Wee. Long Wee was just hillier at the end. And yeah. how strong is Pollitt? Pretty damn strong. And can Bike Exchange control it all day? I'm not sure. It's a difficult one. And I think they made the right decision because you've... Bex have shown their hand. You then go back in the peloton and you will be the second favorite for the stage probably um if in the sprint if it comes down to a sprint and you don't have to pull all day so win-win i guess from that perspective maybe the argument is a break would have gone and the sprinters teams would have controlled anyway i would say not if yumbo visma don't create that break we saw molima bridging sturvan you suddenly have a break with honore sturvan uh maybe crone then it's just Bex, and then they'll look at um, Yumbo to pace, and Yumbo won't want to. So it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. I've had an, I've been concerned that I think the jumping for hours at the start of the stages mm-hmm. hurts Jonas, has hurt Roglic more than Pagacha. I think Pagacha sees it as an opportunity, yeah. and I think ending the jumping is better from Yumbo business perspective. Anyway, that was a lot of talk on break formation. Nothing really else happened in the stage at that point. It was a, a sort of it chilled out a little bit, kept at three minutes, the gap. And at that point, it was some Zwift time. And thanks to its combination of fantasy and real world riding destinations on Zwift, you don't need to ride up and down heavy roads with melting tar uh, in middle of France. You can get a taste of riding in the mountains with its epic KOM, Alp de Zwift, and Von Top climbs. There's also flatter routes, more rolling routes like today's stage uh, if you want to replicate today's TDF parkour uh, from the comfort of your own home. And you never have to ride alone. Zwift has tons of events, and you can even join the LRCP Zwift Club to stay in the loop when me and Benji are hopping on to ride. Head to Zwift.com down below to find out more or start your free seven-day trial but i was roused from my slumber benji crash time unless there was anything else that happened while i was sleeping 
Well, there were some things during the break formation, like Pogacar being called out by a move by Jonas being in a group ahead, but that's it led to nothing. So it's not worth overly mentioning, and there's no like tactical insight there except for better position when it comes to Pogacar. But you're right, the most important factors of this stage, in my opinion, are the ones that, honestly, are sad to occur. And it's a crash that happened, I think, with about 70 kilometers to go or 65 kilometers to go. We saw one rider, uh, or actually two riders crashing in the peloton, but one rider that kept on sitting on the floor and was Steven Kreisweg. And it uh, clearly, initially, directly looked like he wasn't getting up. So it was the kind of crash where the rider knows that they're likely not getting up again, which means big things for this Tour de France, in my opinion. Steven Kreisweg, reportedly, according to the race doctor, uh, with signs of a collarbone uh, breakage fracture, whatever we call it. Um, so, um, yeah, he's out of the race. Steven Kreisweg, that's one important factor of Jumbo Visma. We'll speak after today's stage recap about Rogic, who also left the race today also leaving the team of Jumbo behind in this race, technically. So that's down to six riders right now at this point in the race. And it's a big headache. Kreisweg gone, but it was not the end because crashes kept on coming on Jumbo's end. Jonas, the yellow jersey where uh, Vingegaard went down in a crash pretty hard, actually. He bounced back up quickly. Uh, Teish Benoit was a little bit, looked a little to be getting up a bit more gingerly. Um, so those two go down. So I saw Wout waiting with Kreisweg. I think he, I didn't actually see him touch down. I think he was just thinking, do I wait with Steven? Do I yeah. change my bike? I don't think he actually touched down. Koos, uh, I'm not sure if he touched down either today. Um, I can't see him in the first 105 riders uh, listed. He, is, he has come in at 17 minutes. Benoit has come in at 20 minutes in like, the Ewan group, uh, or just ahead of it. So he might be uh, a little bit hurt, actually. Anyway, they go down. That's a big blow. So now, no Roglic, Kreisweik's out. You've only got for the mountains Koos as a pure climber. You've got two combination climbers, flat guys, Benoit and Wout van Aert. But on steeper gradients, they will, they're not as good as Kreisweik at all. Kreisweik was second last in the mountain train. And you've got, yeah, but no, is we don't even know his condition. And you're still strong on the flat with Van Hooydonk and Laporte. Like, that's Laporte is a joke. <laughs> how good that man is. Um, but, yeah, it's big blows for Yumbo, including, like, you never know how a crash can affect the yellow jersey. You never want to touch down. Like, he went down hard. Yeah, exactly. I rewatched the crash multiple times. Went down hard on his uh, right shoulder. There was some molten tarmac like stuff on his uh, right shoulder because of the heat of the road and so forth. And it looked like both Tish and Jonas both had their hit their head, not not had their hit, hit their head on the road surface quite hard. So let's hope it has no consequences for both riders here. But from that point onwards, it changes this stage as well, not the entirety of the Tour de France, because the Kreisway crash certainly has its influences on week three. I'm already thinking what happens now in the peloton who's left, Laporte, Jonas... And we've also got Wout van Aert. So those are three rides, including the yellow jersey and the green jersey. Laporte was initially thought, at least to me, as the person that will help out Wout van Aert at the end of this stage to try and get some more, yeah, get a stage one, because green's kind of fine already, let's be honest about it. So I think that the Jumbo car decided to have Laporte switch to Jonas then, because he was clearly looking 
only after Jonas Vingegaard from that point onwards, which, in my opinion, was a very good decision, but I was still stressed. Like, I swear, if I was in that car, I might have even considered the possibility of Wout van Aert stay save mate focus on Jonas because he's our priority today is there any point in your mind that said okay perhaps they should just give up on a potential sprint here and focus on getting Vingegaard safe home I mean they don't need the points uh it's tough that's a tough one to say mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's less about helping Jonas and more about what if Wout now crashes in the sprint yeah and he locked handlebars in this sprint that's where you're like if Wout goes down and is out, the node's injured, Kroosak's out, Roglic out, now you're in real trouble with McNulty, Soler, Micah. Like it, the, the odds have evened up a lot. Uh, so that's, I don't know, that's a tough one. And uh, Wout did contest the sprint. But yeah, the race chugged along. Jonas gets back into the group on the uh, this 5K nasty climb. Groenewegen's dropped. Ewan's dropped. Jakobsen's gone. Merku had was suffering with heat stroke today, but Groenewegen was not dropped badly. And so bike exchange, like we saw on the Dauphiné, put the whole team behind to chase for him. And so we have Trek pacing, doing that pacing on uh, on that climb and doing a pretty good job with Simmons. But the question was, what numbers would they have on the other side? I had the question, were you surprised that Matthews was also pulled back from the front to help out Hrunewegen and not kept as a plan B in the peloton? Because that's what kind of surprised me. And I feared that if Hrunewegen didn't come back, they had no chance anymore. But do, can can Matthews beat Pedersen and Van Aert? Like, really, I just I realistically Agreed. don't see it in the flat sprint. So I, I think it's a fair call. And I think it's an easier mm-hmm. conversation to have with this stage win yesterday. But yeah, that is one where you're like, oh, now you're really putting all your eggs in this Groenewegen basket, which it, it worked out. They eventually got back on. As I expected, though, with the break, sorry, sorry, Nils Pollitt, you were called a long time ago. <laughs> with the break being caught and with the sort of lull with Trek over the, the crest of this climb, Pedersen sort of attacked a little bit. We've got separation. Yeah. Wout then chased after him, and then Pagacha just tried to repeat what he did yesterday at the start, and he attacked across to Wout. But no, it didn't go anywhere. It got shut down immediately. I think Laporte British Jonas yeah. back, but just another – yeah, Pagacha's just looking for all any and all opportunities, and Ineos and are not looking to play. Exactly. Ineos are playing their own game. They're focusing on themselves. They got plenty of numbers still in this group, by the way. And their competition for GC, which is Vingega and Pogacar, have limited numbers in this. And we see that pop up later, but I noticed that Pogacar's kind of using... But they don't play the nose numbers. Yeah, agreed. But in this stage, I don't see a possibility to actually gain something out of that at the end of the, like, the last 15 kilometers here in this stage when that Paris move was happening, for example. But what I was looking at was, seems like in the last two stages, Pogacar is basically using Wout van Aert's moves against Jonas Vingegaard because he knows that if he's in the wheel of Wout van Aert in front of Vingegaard, then it's either Laporte or Vingegaard himself that needs to bridge it back. So is that something you've noticed as well the last two days? Yeah, it's just Pagacha has his biggest advantage on Jonas is probably his peak watts. He, as I've said many times, he's heavier. His sprint looks better than 2020. Pagacha's climbing is not as good as 2020 over sort of 40 minutes uh, compared to his Col de la Lowe's performance, but his sprint is better. And that's where he can get separation out of the bunch and get a, try and get across to moves. But it, it was to no avail. And we have the French counterattack. I think it was 
Benjamin Tomar going as a B&B rider. It's like the Burgado move in Paranese. I think it was over the top of that little hill after Trek had been pacing that day. And it was a similar thing here where they sort of run out of numbers. The problem for them was it was so far to the finish uh, of that little rise. And if it was like a 10K run in, they make it no problem. Uh, but it wasn't. And so Alberson sort of held the gap stable, Trek held it stable. And then the GC teams held it stable at 30, 25 seconds because there was a little bit of crosswinds. And we see the scariest site in pro cycling, which is Danny Martinez leading the peloton <laughs> down a, a sticky tarmac road at 70 Ks an hour with the crosswind on the hoods. <laughs> he was weaving across the road. Yeah. <laughs> Laporte was like, must have been scared for his life. Um, <laughs> you uh, seen not Castro, right? They were interchanging yeah. turns. They they look very similar. I feel like from the Both helicopter got the beard. view, one's got a shave. Yeah, one one has to shave. This is not okay anymore. But when it comes to the helicopter view, also very similar. But it looked like Martinez for me at least, and at least I I memed him on Twitter about it. So hopefully I meet the right guy. But anyway, it was indeed Ineos trying to keep themselves at the front during this uh, descent to the line, and Laporte doing that for Vingega. Wout being uh, a bit out positioned, like keeping it relaxed in 25th position. Pogacar doing quite a bit of work to keep himself in position, loads right? Because work. he had loads of teammates still there, but actively tried. Exactly. That's where I wanted to go to. Like, it's clear now that he doesn't trust them, but also earlier parts of the stage, he's in the Wheel of Ineos, for example, sometimes in the Wheel of Yumbo. It's, it's like. But he doesn't I don't stay know. there, right? Like, they must yeah. be doing something. Or he just. Like, he's not being allowed to stay there for 10 kilometers. Like, we Trash saw the talking. overhead shot. He's on Ineos. And then Luke Rowe, I reckon, told him to fuck off. <laughs> I or believe so. Not, but... Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> I would. No, like, if he's taking up a spot where Yates or Thomas should be, I'd be like, excuse me, would you like to enter the gutter um, while I create a bit of space for them? Like, Old Brelly style. <laughs> I would do that if I was a ruler with, yeah, taking up space on my will. But, yeah, the thought... I'm like, I would be the opposite rider of the sort of pundit I am where I'm always criticizing yeah. people for dirty moves. And then I was like, if you'd I was be the guy rider, that de- <laughs> You'd be the guy that deviates in the entire road in the sprint just to get that one centimeter advantage. And afterwards, you'd be like, damn it, people are using my Pythagoras theorem against me. <laughs> no, nah, I'd be like, I left you half a foot, man. It's not dangerous. <laughs> you see, I won't do me. Um, but yeah, it's... It was a nervous run-in. People had crashed. Yumbo were uh, crashed. Wout was concerned for the sprint sort of in the middle of the bunch. And eventually, Tomar goes solo. He gets the, frankly, a shameful moto draft. Like, there's moto yeah. drafts, and then there's where you're making the sporting competition look like a joke. Like, he got the most absurd moto draft through these chicanes. He looked dead on his feet, and the gap was going from 8 to 11 seconds with people pulling full gas. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like... Uh, it'd be great to see a solo winner, but not like this. This was worse than Morich MSR. And Alperson had three riders, and they were playing it cool. And they were waiting. They weren't coming to the front. Bora had pulled for Danny Van Poppel. I didn't mind it, like go for a top three in the stage. Why not? With Jakobsen Ewan behind. Trek weren't really pulling. But eventually, Tomas caught. It's very chaotic because the moto had to move out from him. We didn't actually see who pulled too much. At least I haven't I haven't seen the heli shot yet of maybe from 1500 to 750 to go. Sturvin leads out Pedersen. He's got Wout on the wheel. There's a left-hand corner late. Philipson goes for a huge dive bomb onto Pedersen's wheel underneath Wout van Aert. Full threat of death. And 
comes out of the corner. Pedersen opens up his sprint. He then closes Philipson to the barriers to the left, blocks him. Then I think he feels Wout coming to the right and starts to shift right. And then they almost, I think they touch his handlebars, touch Wout's arm almost and hooks him. And then that opens up the gap for Philipson, who is faster than both of those two. We saw in, yeah. was it um, stage three? When he, he came from ridiculous positions, like 20 seconds, for instance, and I think someone put the data up and the data was crazy yeah. too. And he, once he gets an open lane, he cooks these two and wins the sprint easily. So he's a burner. We saw in UAE, I think, yeah, I just think he he fully committed to an extremely risky move that he had to do. If he doesn't make that move into that corner, he can't win. Uh, he doesn't win if Phillipson keeps him closed. Wout wins. Uh, but it worked out for him, and he just deserved a stage winner. I think last year was frustrating, but he's one of the top sprinters in the world, and Alpson did a good job controlling t- for a lot of today, and yeah, they deserved the win. Yeah, I agree. Top result. He's been second so many times in the Tour de France, and now he gets his victory. We basically announced that he should win if his position at any point was competitive, based on the two sprints we indeed had in week one. I think it was stage three, and stage five is my guess. Because he's had two sprints, the one that Grunewagen won and the other one that Er Jakobsen won. That was and two both. And three. Oh, I don't know which sprints it were then. He should but... have won the cobbled stage as well, by the way. Okay, that was probably stage five. So anyway, yeah. regardless of any stage numbers, he had two sprints in week one where he came from far away and was just in a non-competitive position initially. And he got a podium out of that in week one. But if he was any close, he would have won that stage. And today he's in a better position because of that crazy move he does himself i'll be honest he's 100 missing jonas ricard to position oh, himself hugely. properly and if jonas ricard was not injured right now he i'm saying it he'd be at two wins already you know who would have won this stage benji cavendish <laughs> mark cavendish he actually would have he actually would have. Didn't he win in oh. Carcassonne last year? Let me look it up. He relishes these week two he did. heavy. He did? Yep. You want to... <laughs> That's proof, isn't it? He's even better than last year. <laughs> he said it himself. There's no way he doesn't wow. win today. Because so... nobody lies about their numbers and so forth when they're a bit <laughs> weaker. He's <right>? better. <laughs> he would have two wins at least by now. And maybe Seven. he wins to Monde yesterday Close too. Both, yeah. Yeah, Belfi, Longwee, Longwee, Alpson Road for Philipson. So, Al Who who know? Well, yeah, I mean, Pidcock and Froome were 1 3, <laughs> and Thomas won on 2018. He gets in that break. He's a good descender, too. Gets a 10 minute gap on the descent. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but I actually, no cap. I think he wins today. Um, <laughs> with, even though Merku was, poor guy, had heat stroke 20 minutes Has back. he finished? Uh, I should look. I don't know. I hope so because, like, they were tweeting stuff at their team, like, "Oh, he's like he decade hasn't. back right now in the race." So you well, came in at yeah. twenty. There's a group that came in, like Wellens, the Lotto group, yeah. about twenty minutes back, and he was twenty minutes back, like with half an hour to go. So oh, with hundred k to go, he was twenty eight minutes back. So yeah. that is tough. And like they added twenty percent, or it changed to twenty percent. Yeah, they added, the added time cut. Yeah, they shouldn't. So I really like. I I'm a big. If you're OTL, you're OTL. But if it's forty degrees and a guy has heat stroke and he's made it through the Alps, I think it's actually a bit much too. Yeah, like you've <laughs> I think igno- so as well. you've acknowledged it's extreme weather. Yeah, um, the protocol has to work out. Yeah, I agree there. Let Mercury stay. 
Um, but I should read out the top 10 before we discuss uh, Roglic. And, I mean, Wapanark Green, he's on 378. Uh, Philipson wins ahead of Van Aert. Pedersen, I don't think Pedersen was relegated. He's a little bit sus, I must say. Uh, Sagan fourth, Van Poppel fifth, Groenewegen sixth, Seneschal seventh, Mozzato eighth. How many top tens does he have? Pasquale ninth, although BNB did get in that counter move, which is a real move, I will say. Fred Wright going for the sprint tenth. Pagacha twelfth, Benji. I think Pagacha's going for green. He's second in green. If Wapanak crashes out today, yeah. he's now in the green jersey. There's no other explanation. There's no other explanation why he's sprinting. He, he finished ahead of Kristoff. Like he's sprinting ahead of actual sprinters and he's coming from deep position, sprinting full gas to the line. I think it's a complete waste of energy. So the only reason must be green. Or because he enjoys it. That's also another option that is less No tactical. one enjoys doing that in 40-degree heat <laughs> at the end of the stage. No one does. But uh, I agree that he likely is trying to secure that second position in that green jersey classification. Philipson might give him a run for his money there. Bogacar is likely going to get 15-plus points in the time trial when it comes to this, in my personal opinion. And then we look at the mountain stages to come. Let's give him another 15-30. If if Philipson wins one more flat stage, stage 19 of Champs-Élysées, he's going to be second and not Pogacar, I think. So yeah. I think it's going to be tough between the two uh, friends there because I'm pretty sure they're friends after the UAE time. How did Philipson not go for those intermediates early in the race? Like, he's already clearly second. And there's, it's, there's a reason to maintain that second position. You never know what can happen. Uh, disqualification, yeah. littering, a crash, injury, heat stroke, you don't know. It boggles my mind that he didn't go for intermediates earlier in the race. I thought he was the real big contender against Van Aert if he brought his climbing legs, which he which he has. Philipson gets over these sort of lumps and bumps, no problem. He's a good rider uh, like that. But the, the main news before the stage, uh, sorry, no GC changes, by the way. The main news before the stage was Roglic abandoned. And um, yeah, he said, He's leaving the race. His conditions, he's been in a lot of pain. I haven't got the press release in front of me. Franz Marsens did an interview, I think it was Eurosport live in English, uh, or not live before the stage, saying he, yeah, the team, it was more like the team decision. Uh, yeah. Like they were like, you're, you're in a lot of pain, let's call it. And I think it's the right decision. Like so many times that we've come on this podcast, particularly this year, and be like, Thibaut Pino lost a year and a half of his career with a fucked back after he finished the Tour de France with a fucked back in 2020. Davagudu, Paris-Nice, nearly OTLs the time trial. And with no like prospect of being able to do anything was kept in the race. And here I think Benji is very, very clear. Look at Roglic's condition since the crash. Stage yeah. 7, Planche de Belfi, two days afterwards, he drops every GC contender except Roglic. Uh, sec- except Pagatra and Jonas, and he finishes 12 seconds behind them doing, doing full gas last five, last five minutes. Incredible performance. Stage 9, he's fine in the group. Stage 11, he sets up the, the multiple attacks on Telegraph, but then not collapses, but he then loses a lot of time and stops contesting GC completely. Stages 13 and 14, we see he's being dropped to the to second and third groups during break formation. So it's clear his condition has deteriorated throughout the, the race. And then Mullen's stage, he, his pull was like, afterwards his pull was short, but, but strong. 
mauled his pull on the, the sort of last roller, which was very, very short, and then he full dropped. Like, I'm not sure. He might have been able to help somewhat, but, like, yeah, I think it's the right decision is the short end of it. I think it's indeed the right decision. I don't think that him being lost for Jumbo Visma was the biggest effect. I think uh, if I rated, I rated at about one to two to three percent, maybe that they lose of their strength with this state of a Roglic being thrown out of the race, basically because of that injury and the consequences of that crash from the Roubaix stage. Still, and then you hear a lot of opinions on Twitter, on air, everywhere, basically where they start questioning whether it was a good decision to make that happen but i think everybody that actually looked at the race the last week and a half could see that his state is deteriorating and i agree that i immediately think about groupama and the other types of teams mainly groupama in the history to be honest that kept riders in the race in situations that they were injured just for the uh race honor or panage i guess but um i'm happy that they pulled him out for his own health and that is regardless of anything related to, oh, they should keep him in just to have that extra rider for Jonas. Personally, I rate Roglic's health ahead of the yellow jersey for Jonas, which is, uh, yeah, Jonas might not agree with that. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> but in, dangerous, in dangerous brake formation on rolling starts, he, yeah. he couldn't help. He yeah. was like immediately getting spat. I don't think he could sprint. There was, what was the stages? I don't know the stage, Mejev? Or was it stage uh, nine where Pagatcha got his team to do a lead out on the short climb and he just didn't contest the sprint finish at all and like stopped. So I don't know if the kick was even there and his ability to help at the start, not convinced. I think, but let's be honest, teams don't. If a rider's in the yellow jersey and he has a sore arm, he's not going to mm-hmm. quit. There is a yeah. scale of these things where how much you can help and how injured you are, it crosses a certain threshold. And I think it had clearly crossed that threshold where he's getting very, he's in a lot of pain seemingly probably the whole time. And I really don't think he could help uh, very, very much to be honest. Um, Yeah. Could have just been another body, but not really. But then as well, as you said, he's not just another rider. He's an important asset. He's on millions of euro. Yeah. And you've got the Vuelta coming up. You've got next season coming up. You have to protect that asset as well as his health if you're looking at it from a team perspective. But all that, it looks a lot, not worse, but it becomes a lot harder and you can't predict it in advance when Kreuzweig crashes out. And I think Kreuzweig's a lot more important because Kreuzweig yeah. can pull. Look, Go look at Vuelta stage 20 when Yates and Maida were countering last year. Look who, which, which rider was there for Jumbo Visma, for Roglic, it was Kreuzweig. He was there in tricky moment. And I think his sol example was good. Pyrenees, he would be good. Not sure how he goes in the heat. Um, but he crashed out. I think he's a lot more important as well as Benoit. Those versatile riders, you can sort of do it all, pull in the mountains. Yeah. And those two, one out, one maybe injured, is a much bigger blow uh, than Roglic. So also, I would like to say, we haven't really given him much credit for it. It might be a bit of a Roglic love-in, but... He's the man. Without him, they don't crack Pagatcha that badly. Yeah. And he basically threw his... Like, he could have... You don't think if he rode steady before Galibier, rode full on that climb, he couldn't have maintained a decent GC position? Come on. Like, With he Landa full-baited Pagatcha. Lando would never do that. Don't criticize Lando, ever. 
<laughs> you know he wouldn't. <laughs> you, you couldn't imagine Lander and Quintana doing those counterattacks on Froome? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, imagine if someone draw that. <laughs> it will only ever be happening in a, in a fiction. Um, but yeah, he he sacrificed himself and he put helped put Jonas, Jonas's legs did it, but he helped put Jonas two minutes, 20 ahead. He leaves the race. Find it hard to criticize him. Um, but yeah, what next for Yumbo Benji? Like, how do you think they will? Who, what are the roles now? How does this change the Pyrenees? We'll talk on it more tomorrow. Yeah, I think we are should need deep dive into it tomorrow in terms of the Yumbo strength versus the UAE strength and even the Ineos strength because I'm starting to feel like the balancing and the nerfing of both Yumbo and UAE is making it so that. Perhaps Ineos might pop up as one of the stronger teams in the last week, especially now that they still have two leaders in the top uh, seven GC, top yeah, six. Yeah, but what are they going to do? Five. Yesterday. Set things up early, try and put pressure on the teams of Yumbo and UAE, try and get something out of that, or do you still think all out, Thomas? Thomas, you read that into, listen to his interview yesterday. Mm-hmm. He sounds like he's running for podium. Pogacar came up to him when the jumping was happening and he said, Yumbo a week. So he's, he wanted Pidcock and Yates. So Pogacar knew Ineos' optimal strategy, which we said more than Ineos did. And he said, send Pidcock and Yates in the yeah. moves. And Ineos were like, nah, we're good. And I was like, <laughs> really? Okay. Like, and Thomas was like, yeah, if he wants to do that, he can do that. I was like, okay. Like, because they could get a guy in the break with, with one of their GC guys and make it a really, really tough day on Yumbo Visma. Cause like maybe Yates goes crazy in the Pyrenees. Uh, his climbing level at the moment doesn't look like he can touch Vingegaard. So that's the only way I see yeah. them really trying to win the tour. Um, I'm not convinced they're going to go for that big knockout blow. Possibly. We can dive into each of these teams a bit more tomorrow to see what the remaining roles are at both. And we'll know the status tomorrow. Exactly. I want to know more about uh, Benoit and even uh, Vingegaard because the crash can also hurt him, you know. We, we need to know more info before we can judge that, in my opinion. But certainly a bigger stage than I think we hoped for for GC because, like, it probably makes the Pyrenees a lot more tense, I think. It's better for the entertainment, but I don't wish that upon him. anybody just having riders crash and so forth and... Imagine if Vingegaard's probably injured, then it's then it's not an enjoyable stage, this one, you know? Yeah, like no one wants to see the tour decided by a crash or COVID or anything like that. Although you must say UAE have been affected by bad luck too. Yeah. Steker Langen, Bennett out with COVID. They haven't been without their own bad luck. Micah yes. has COVID, although it seems to make him go faster. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, not everyone's not been without bad luck. That probably isn't English, but you know what I mean. Uh, but yeah, muggy transition stage to, uh, today, rest day tomorrow. Tomorrow in the rest day recap, we will discuss how we think each of the three main teams on GC, Ineos, Jumbo, Visma, UAE, should play the Pyrenees, who we think will win, as well as previewing the rest of the stages, which is uh, a repeat to me of stage nine in 2020, is stage 16, and then two mountain stages, Transition stage, uh, TT and sprint. So pretty balanced. Uh, But yeah, that's all from us. Thanks for enjoying this show. Give us a like if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe on podcast players or give us a review or rating. Thanks to Zwift for supporting the show as always. We'll see you tomorrow. Ciao. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.